I get this symbolism. That means I'm smart. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blow. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode, the podcast which is as refreshing as a room-temperature bottle of vanilla extract in the middle of a dark, lonely night. I am your host this week, Austin Gorton, and with me, taking a break from accordion practice, is... David Bitsenoffer. And wearing no socks... Carolyn Maine for life, baby! (laughs) (laughs) This week, we are discussing Family Ties, Season 2, Episode 14, Say Uncle, in which Tom Hanks' Uncle Ned drops by the Keaton abode and drinks every drop of booze in the house before thoroughly (laughs) botching a job interview and assaulting a minor. Once again, begging the question, what would we do, baby, without us? So we... We all have done... Guys, should I just give it a minute? Let's... No. Yeah. I was just going to keep interrupting you, Austin. <laughs> we have all of us done uh, a Family Ties episode before, I believe. This is our third Family Ties episode. Ryan and David and Jess Thulmer did the one where Alex's friend dies. Yes. And it turns into a weird one-act play. And uh, I think we were all on the Thanksgiving episode where they went to jail over nukes. Oh, yeah. I was trying to remember when you chose this one. I was like, haven't we watched it? I mean, we have watched the show, but we haven't watched this episode. But we probably have all watched this episode individually before. Yeah, I picked this particular one uh, at at this point just because I was I wanted it. I wanted to, to pick off one of the sort of like classic yes oft referenced very special episodes we haven't done one of those in a little while but then i was also like well tom hanks was like our america's dad who got the coronavirus early on and he came out of it okay so it also ties into the moment a little bit oh that's right i forgot yeah they're gonna use his dna to make the vaccine or something <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's they're what... gonna do with his dna <laughs> What do you think, David? I think what you think now. Yeah, yeah. Once we're overrun with Tom Hanks clones, we'll all know the truth. I can't wait. An army of Forrest Gump's coming at us. I feel like if all the Terminators were Tom Hanks's, I could take them down pretty good. (laughs) Now I want to see the Terminator, but with Tom Hanks as the Terminator. The Tom Hanksinator. That's their trick. It's like how I look (laughs) at a bear and think I can outrun it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you sure as shit can't. Bears are fast. I know, I know. Oh, shit. So I thought that uh, in lieu of our usual, uh, you know, familiarity with the show, since we've already covered that ground, uh, we could we could talk about our favorite Tom Hanks roles. Mm. Oh, man. And I'm springing this on you guys, I know, so. Sure. Well, um, let's what's see. What's your favorite Tom, what are some of your favorite Tom Hanks performances, Carol? I just watched one recently that I hadn't seen before, and he plays a stand-up comedian, and Sally Field is in it. I don't remember the name of this movie. No, it's not Forrest Gump. (laughs) But they do have a little romance, and it is, like, earlier than Forrest Gump, and then she's his mom, but he, like, tries to bang her in the movie, so that's fine. Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about, because it's, like, this weird, it it was, like, two or three years before Forrest Gump, and then she was playing his mom. Right. (laughs) 
one of those like terrible uh hollywood double standards yeah Yeah. she's only a little bit older than him but it made sense when they were fucking so whatever (laughs) um but my real answer let's say i really like what he did in a league of their own ah yes yes that is a good one he plays a bit of a rogue in that, and he doesn't usually, and he works Yeah, I mean, it. like, yeah. a rogue by Tom Hanks standards. Yes, which, heart of gold, heart of pure <laughs> fucking gold. What are some of your favorites, Austin? Um, I, I like, I like A League of Their Own. I thought about that one. Calling that one is one of my favorites. There's no uh, crying in baseball. <laughs> um, I like Apollo 13, mm. but he and he's fine and he's he's tom hanks like he's not like terrible or anything um but i don't think he really like carries the movie the way he does and some other stuff Mm -hmm. um a little scene or less reference tom hanks role that i really like is charlie wilson's war oh i haven't seen that one he plays a uh a congressman it is about war. He plays a congressman from Texas who was instrumental in getting the CIA to surreptitiously fund the Mujahideen in Afghanistan when they were that, fighting the Soviets in the 80s. That's probably bad. I can't tell. Well, it was, it, was that whole, I, it was that whole situation where, like, we paid the Taliban to take on the Soviets and then dicked them over so they turned around and attacked us. Mm. that's how you do it and however accurately or not i i have yet to look into it because i wonder if they sand off some of the edges for tom hanks benefit but uh he makes a point at the end of being like okay we gave them all this money for guns can we give them a small percentage of that money for schools and everybody's like no that's not how america does it I yeah. just recalled I'd like to shout out Joe versus the Volcano mm. as well. I didn't take yours, did I, David? That's a no. weird That's a weird early Tom Hanks. Yeah. Compli- well, yeah, it's a weird one, but I like it. I remember watching that as a kid, actually, and being Me like, too. this is effed up, but I kind of like it. Right? It's like dystopian and kind of like, yeah, really funny, but also like, you're supposed to have like corporate ennui when you watch it, which I kind of did as a kid, but more mm-hmm. so now. And it was just, it's funny. It hits those beats. Like when those suitcases pop up out of the water, it's like, yes. I would say Hooray. it is easily my favorite of his three Meg Ryan pairings. Ooh, take that mail and the other one. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, Sleepless in Mail. Yeah. Something made me think of You've Got Mail. And may and of course it's that AOL like uh, Ooh, well, soundbite. And how like it just made me think of a time when getting email was like something that was supposed to be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> like think if we got a sounder every time we received an email these days. <laughs> I know, right? What a nightmare the whole internet has become. Whoops. Well, I like I even remember a period of time in the like early 2000s like at my first sort of post-college job when i had like a desk and a computer and email and i set up uh like a sound bite of uh of han solo <laughs> saying i've got a bad feeling about this every time i would get an email wow. <laughs> and, and even back then within like two months i was like oh my god i have to stop this, this <laughs> grew to regret it yep uh, so what's your what's one of your favorite Tom Hanks roles, David? I, this is what I'm trying to. I actually had to call up IMDb because I'm realizing I'm a woefully. 
I've, I haven't seen a lot of Tom Hanks movies, like, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. as I'm looking through them. Like, I saw Sully, and that's a, that's a story for another time, but that movie <laughs> sucked, right? <laughs> Probably. I didn't see it. I am the captain yeah. now. That's not yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, see, you haven't seen that one. See, that's where, like, I, for some reason, any good, good movies he's in? Uh, What's the one captain? with the pirates? Yeah. Oh, Captain Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. With the meme, with the I'm the captain now. That's yeah. the good part like the of ones the trailer. That are supposed to be good. Like, I, I remember liking Philadelphia when I saw it in oh, yeah. uh, high school, but now I'm like, did that even hold up? Does that movie hold yes. up? I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't watched it since high school, but I've heard it holds up. I don't know. All right, and I like that. I liked him in a Bachelor Party. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> That was ribald. I watched it pretty recently, and it's, like, way sleazier than you think Tom Hanks is going to be. Oh, yeah. But Tom Hanks is weirdly not sleazy. He's, like, the only non-sleaze in the movie. Like, somehow he knew what his, like, future self was going to be, and he couldn't let it happen. His American good boy nature shows through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not like I haven't seen. I've seen Big. I'm just trying to think of what, what a great role is, you know? Yeah, because like, I just think of the movies. Like I remember liking the Money Pit, but only because it was a metaphor I understood, and oh. I was like eight years old, and I'm like, <laughs> I get this symbolism. That means I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Burbs too? That know, one's yeah, a lot remember. of fun. No, yeah, as I scroll through his his IMDb page, you're really struck at how you can really like divide his career into thirds, <laughs> where it's mm-hmm. like. There's the like sitcom star turned comedy actor of the eighties. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of, you know, that was that climax with Big and the beginning of the of the run with Meg Ryan. And then you've got like the nineties where he beca- became like Tom Hanks, Capital Letters, serious actor, back to back Oscar winner. Forrest Gump. This, <laughs> yeah, Forrest Gump, all this cultural cachet. And then, like, coming out of the 90s into the 2000s, and really through today, that's when he shifts into his, like, elder statesman role, mm-hmm. where yeah. he can still carry a movie, but he's also not above just, you know, popping up as a supporting part in a movie, and you know you're going to get something dependable, but it's not necessarily going to be, like, an out-of-this-park, Oscar-winning smash role kind of deal. And he loves his wars. He does. <laughs> yeah, he is... He is a greatest generation aficionado. <laughs> that is I don't think I like so I guess I'll just go much. with uh, Jimmy Duggan of A League of Their Own. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, shout out. We all agree on that, comrades. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I was busy. True to this episode's form, I spilled my beer, so I had to go clean it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone laugh at the clown. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's as good a segue as any for the <laughs> beginning of the episode in which uh, young Jennifer is practicing the clarinet, much <laughs> to the horror of her siblings because she is comically terrible. Uh, the family is awaiting the arrival of Uncle Ned, who previously appeared in two episodes in the first oh, season. wow, he really? did. That's huge. I thought they were just tacking him on for sure. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen, it, it turns out that uh, Stephen is trying to get Ned a job at the T 
TV station, question mark, that mm-hmm. he works at. I think it's and, a radio. Uh, maybe it's a TV station. I forget. Maybe it's the a radio. Yeah, it, the station is how they refer the to it. Station. It's all very vague. Ominous. I'm sure if I was more familiar with Family Ties, I'd remember that. Huh. So, um, sorry, I'm now interrupting. So, the first two episodes he was in was called The Fugitive, part one and two. Yes. Was that about his embezzlement then? Yes. So, so when they're they're trying to get him, Stephen's trying to get him this job at the station, and the family's like, "So did you tell him about other stuff that happened?" And they talk about how he was basically like a fugitive for federal crimes because he embezzled four and a half million dollars. Dollars. It and I was quite like, the uh, story there. Right? Yeah, I was like, holy shit, we haven't even gotten to the beer yet, and this shit's getting heavy. That can uh, buy a lot of vanilla extract with $4 million. Right? And Alex is basically arguing that he did it, that, like, he did it with for good reasons, and yeah, I don't just... know enough about, I haven't seen those episodes, <laughs> I don't know enough about how that all went down to know if Alex is right, or if he's just Well, Alex's argument him. is that he embezzled $4.5 million to keep to hide funds from the corporation so they wouldn't merge with a different corporation, which would have ended up costing a lot of jobs. So he's trying to save these jobs by hiding this money. Okay. Which may or may not be true. I don't know. But it sounds like a really weird thing for Alex B. Keaton to ar- be arguing for. Like, shouldn't he have been like, this bastard is trying to ruin capitalism by hiding money. So <laughs> right, that's a, <laughs> That was the part where I got confused because I'm like, Alex's argument seems more like anti-Reagan than pro-Reagan. I'll exactly. put it that way. You know, it's different when you're the one embezzling. What can I say? <laughs> and I, I feel can't. like he should still be in jail for his four and a half million dollars. And No, he's, it's white-collar crime, David. We I understand, but you're also out. going against the corporation, and they get, they get pissed. Like, Yeah, I had the, the, the cracked research team skimmed the IMDb <laughs> uh, for those two episodes, and there was some implication that uh like he cut a deal or something like that yeah, um, I see. with the fbi again i we I, we'd have to watch them um <laughs> i'll i'll give it a pass for now i guess uh but that's like setting the stage i'm just saying if he stole four and a half million dollars from the consumers he'd be walking free but since it was from the giant corporation I right assume they would exactly. have like made him disappear somehow yeah yeah they they jimmy off him the flag yeah. yep yeah so that sets the stage. Ned's coming into town. They're going to try to get him a job. Ned bursts onto the scene, and he's all Tom Hanksy and filled with youthful energy and the the promise of a burgeoning film career on the verge of takeoff. And uh, <laughs> he, he nearly immediately grabs five beers <laughs> out of the fridge, an act we in the business call foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little over the top. I mean, you can kind of forgive it as, like, him just being joking around. Right. But at the same time, as we see, maybe it's not, because this was, this episode was anything but subtle. We'll put it that way. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's the tone we strike with the whole episode. And on one hand, I want to give them accolades, because it's pretty great how, like, just because you're a fucking messed up alcoholic doesn't mean that you're not charming as hell while you're hitting <laughs> right. that bottle. I think we all know a couple yeah, amazing sad clowns, <laughs> even beyond this podcast. <laughs> uh, I, humorously enough that you mentioned that, Carolyn, uh, 
Apparently, one of the alternate titles suggested for this episode was Tears of a Clown. Yay! Oh, it should be Beers of a Clown. <laughs> Beers of a Clown. Beers of a Clown. <laughs> That's my next album. It's going to be Scott. It's going to be great. So, yeah, he uh, he walks to the door and he's like, hey, Alex, give me a beer. And Alex pulls out a six pack and then he takes one can off of the six pack ring and hands that to Alex and says, hey, put that back in the fridge for later. And I'm like, wow, this is like when I go over to David's house. <laughs> or when I go to your house, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah give yeah. me a beer. You guys go to each other's houses. I thought we were all doomed to our own four walls. Why well, I mean, wow. in the before four times, kid? Oh, before. I forgot about those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we cut to the living room. The family is playing Trivial Pursuit. We get a picture of Ned as sort of the life of the party that everybody yeah. likes, but he's constantly but asking. He has a for, beer still, yeah. Yeah, he always is. He's always looking for beers. Is it? Did anyone else find it kind of weird that Alex is his beer bitch? <laughs> a little, because I mean, I was I'd be people's beer bitches when I was young, but then he isn't in like college, and he. I well, he's so well, tiny. A, you can't tell how old that, he is. Because I have questions about how old Alex is supposed to be. He could but, be anywhere from fourteen to sixty-five. He's too old to be giddy, giddily getting a beer for his uncle. Of what it is. I believe that Alex is still in high school at this point. And David, not... when did you lose your giddiness for beer bitching? Oh, uh, well, for beer bitching, yeah, seventh grade, I think. Yeah. Uh great coming of age for right around right around the same time that it uh that it transitioned to him drinking the beers himself yeah. <laughs> and you're like i'm my own suddenly bitch. it was like why am i getting beer for these people i'll just drink this come on austin you knew i was a square in high school i mean it's not like i'm a circle now but i was suggesting that you didn't lose your giddiness till you were about 32 as well. <laughs> uh so uh, he asks for some more beer, and Elise is like, "Oh, you're, you're kind of hitting the hitting the beer a little hard there." And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm fine." I, I just want to note to how it's a little weird because it seems like he's the only one drinking at this time too. Yeah, at, but, at this point, I think the dad is like, you know, "Oh yeah, Alex, get me one too." We're, yeah. But, but like, but Tom Hanks is like, "Hey, Alex, go get me five beers," and his dad's uh-huh. like, "Yeah, I'll have one too." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they they set up the whole plot with the job interview, and he's like, "Yeah, let's uh, let's, I'll do it. That sounds great." And also, I'd like some more beer. So in the span of like one three minute scene, he's called for beers about four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's over the top. I don't know. This doesn't scream how real alcoholism works to me. <laughs> Not that I'm spoiler an alert. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, I would say that I wouldn't think an alcoholic would just slam beers because that's like hard to do, right? It's like eating yeah. a loaf of bread. But no, people do it. I've done it. It's fun. But I mean, <laughs> if I were to be an alcoholic these days, I would go straight to a clear liquor. That's my preference. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really pounding it. Uh, can well, we back up for a second? I know we, we sure talked can. about it before, but this theme song is like one of the platonic ideal motherfuckers <laughs> of all theme songs. It's a good theme song, yeah. It gets yeah, stuck in your head. It's an earworm. It's, uh... it's, it's in there right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, one of these days we should really do an episode just on theme songs. I would love to. Where we each like bring our three favorite theme songs 
and discuss how great they are and try to rank them or something like that. We'll do it. We'll bring them in. Oh, and this time, for some reason, it kind of seemed like this is one of the theme songs you could, if you had to, you could fuck to this song. (laughs) (laughs) What do we do, baby? How do you know if it would be a... It wouldn't be that difficult to, right? See? Yeah, no, there is much worse. Like the gummy bear theme? Come on. (laughs) Well, that's like number one to fuck to, right? I mean, it's not going to be like a central fuck. It's going to be, it's going to be some heavy stuff. You can work some stuff out. A little wet and wild with that one, but gummy bears. They're dashing. They're daring. They're all around caring. (laughs) Oh yeah, good good times. I feared uh, your nut jams, David, but I respect them. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get a, I'm trying to get a read on uh, on how old Alex is supposed to be, but I'm pretty sure he's in high 16, school. And 17. and Mallory is older, is the eldest of them all. So, I mean, she's still in high school at this point, and she's got to be at least a year or two older than him. Yeah, yeah. It's just like pulling an all nighter for econ class. Sounds. Oh, I have a note about that. Okay, so. <laughs> So the next thing is uh, Alex walks into a dark kitchen where, like, and I mean dark, like the lights are all off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where where Ned is sitting at a table in front of an empty bottle, which is always a, a heartwarming sign of <laughs> a stable individual. Uh, and uh, Alex is making himself a sandwich because he's up late pulling an all nighter, studying for an econ class, and. Uh, Ned realizes that they're out of beer and it's two in the morning. So Alex can't go on a beer run, which is it being two in the morning. Isn't the first problem with that. Um, which is just evidence of how we know that Ned is, is clearly wasted at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he starts raiding the pantry for any <laughs> food with alcohol in it. Yeah. It's just like acting like he's like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a word other than addiction to describe like, how over the top this is of him just like like a vampire needing blood. He's like, I've got five minutes without alcohol. I need to find something. He's going to drink some like rubbing alcohol soon, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it, it's like, I, <laughs> like you could see a way where this episode goes where it's, you know, he's just drinking a lot of beer. He puts a little vodka in the orange juice in the morning. Uh, and then he shows up drunk at the at the at the interview and all that. And they're like, you know, you have a you know you have a problem, and it takes him a little while to kind of figure it out and all that. I'm like, dude, you're drinking vanilla extract at <laughs> two is... in the morning. Like, you right. shouldn't take that much convincing to be like, like. There's a difference between I don't have a problem and I have a problem, but I have it under control. And he's mm-hmm. still at the like I don't have a problem level, and it's like. You got a problem when you're raiding the pantry for alcoholic food. <laughs> but I would be, yeah. It doesn't scream true to me because he was already drunk, so it's not like he was desperate for the buzz anymore. And then he's just like, I'm done, I need more. And you're like, I don't think that's how real alcoholism works. I think, especially since he was like visiting his family, he probably, like, if he was an alcoholic, he probably would have just gotten drunk with them and then kind of like passed out. And then it's like, he'd keep doing that every night and he'd be like, you're like always drinking. What's going on? Not that right. he'd just be like constantly needing to inject it in his veins, you know. Um, yeah, they went really crazy with it. I know there's mm-hmm. different kinds of alcoholism and some yeah. people like really have drunk like 
vanilla extract just for the booze. I would be so pissed though. I have just ordered my own like vanilla beans to remake my own vanilla extract instead of buying the store stuff. And so you get like these beans and they're so fragrant and cool and like the little gritty vanilla bits on the bean are really cool. And then you pour in vodka and just let it steep and shake up right. the bottle and keep it in. And I put it in a Tabasco bottle. It's working very well. I have a lot uh. of those. And I'd be so pissed if somebody drank my Madagascar vanilla beans like right after they were <laughs> done expensive. curing. Like, God damn it, <laughs> fuck you. And look, to be honest, I would drink vanilla extract not for the booze, but just because vanilla tastes good. It's so decadent. Those beans right. are like six dollars each. Yeah. I'm furious. And and he clearly this is not the first time he's gone like pantry raiding for booze because like <laughs> he knows exactly what to pull out and what to look for. And I feel like this would work better for me if like the house was out of booze and he wasn't drunk at the time and he's just like I yes. really need to feel this buzz and kill the pain instead of already having being so drunk that he like doesn't even remember it the next morning and whatever yeah and it's one of those things where like having having not watched this episode prior to watching Mm -hmm. it for this recording but having heard about it for a number of years because it does get brought up as one of those like very special episode examples um you know in buzzfeed lists and whatnot um i i guess i just always i'd heard about the whole like drinking vanilla extract that's how much of a drunk he is and just always assumed that it was a case of there's nothing else in the house and he's sober and can't <laughs> handle it. And that's what he, I'm like, mm-hmm. he's got a whole like fifth of bourbon in front of him. That's empty. Yeah, he's clearly wasted. Yeah, throughout I mean, the he's, about, he's probably like 0. 0.4 at this point, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Alex is, is much shocked by his uh, rightly so by mm-hmm. his quick guzzling of vanilla extract and Ned's like, hey, Alex, why don't you let me help you with my economic homework? And Alex is like, uh, no thanks, drunkie. And Ned's like, oh, you think you're better than me? I gave a speech at the World Economic Conference. <laughs> and kind of freaks out Alex a little bit. And then Alex is like, you're drunk, Uncle Ned. And Ned's like, I'm fine. And they uh, there's a whole bit where Ned's sort of alternating between Alex telling Alex that he needs to leave and that he's going to leave. And it's all super awkward. And then when you're like, Michael J. Fox is playing like a high school kid at this point, he's more or less being harassed by his drunk uncle. And <laughs> there's a laugh track because every once in a while, yeah. like, Tom Hanks is getting off some zingers and it's kind of super yeah, awkward. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a big note for me for this whole episode. Austin is how we just have like this drunkle. But he's so charming that the whole audience is like, this bourbon guy is awesome. And he's he's right to dunk on Michael Keaton or Alex Keaton. That's who I think that rang true. Drunks are fun to hang around with, right? When it's going good. They didn't show any going bad. Like, even when he does his most disastrous stuff in this episode, the laugh track is, like, on his side so much. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I liked... I, I, I liked, in theory, sort of the presentation here where he sort of, like, was vacillating back and forth between being, like, surly and – but between being, like, the drunkle and the funkle. Yeah. Where he's just like, you know, I'm mad at you, but now I'm, I'm a happy, easygoing guy. And I mean, I've certainly seen that before in Drunk. Sure. Um, but, yeah, David, to your earlier point – did you ever stay up till like two in the morning and beyond <laughs> studying for anything in high school? <laughs> no, uh, no. 
But David wasn't a young Republican. <laughs> I know. Yes. Well, no, it's just, well, I'm trying to think. Did we ever have a class, an econ class specifically? I don't know. It's like, well, I did take an econ class my senior year. But I don't, I mean, by two in the morning, I was asleep. Like, mm-hmm. I had, I pulled some late nights and whatnot trying to get papers done and shit. But by the time two in the morning rolled around, I was asleep. <laughs> if I was not, like, out doing something fun, if I'd been, like, trying to study at two in the morning, I would have fallen asleep because I would have been tired. Yeah, it's definitely, like, pulling an all-nighter really feels more college, because usually their parents are like, go to bed, you know? <laughs> right, right. And it's just, it's, it's one of those very too, you know? TV tropey things that, like, high school kids are always like, oh, yeah, I gotta stay up late and cram for such and such. Mm-hmm. Right, we never took econ in high school. Maybe I should have, but no regrets. Yeah, I took it. I didn't get a whole lot out of it. That's why you're good at money, right, Austin? Yeah, exactly. It was too <laughs> mathy for me. I was like, wait a minute, this is out of the like social science department. This is just a math class dressed up. How dare you? Right. Um, I also, I mean, I also say get not shocking at all that uh, to say that Tom Hanks is he's pretty good at this. Like he does do a good job at being like the angry drunk and the fun drunk. And um, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're seeing future Oscar winner Tom Hanks here, but uh, it, it's not surprising that this guy went on to do like bigger and better things. Yeah. You're not, not seeing a future Oscar winner. Like he's so charming right out of the gate. And mm-hmm. That's part of why you're supposed to feel bad for him is because, like, he drinks the go-go juice and then he has fun, but it's too sad. So right. he's, he's doing really good. This Oh, we didn't mention, I would just like to shout out, when he bursted in full of charm, Tom Hanks, he sang Uptown Girl to the mother, which was oh, a nice right. Billy drop, gotta <laughs> yep. say. Yep. Um, I didn't really get the... Would you, yeah. do, would you do him, Carol? Uh, would I do Tom Hanks? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but if I knew then what I know now, I mean, I'm not getting no Rona, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Fair point. And it's just kind of uh, cute because he was also, right? He was also in Bosom Buddies, and that had a Billy Joel theme too. So I wonder if he was just trying to keep Billy close for one more moment, which I respect. That would be a good drunkle move on me, y'all. Right? <laughs> uh, so the next morning, a. Um, uh, impressively put together Ned comes downstairs. Yeah. Um, this is how you really know he's an alcoholic because he was pretty wasted the night before and he is up and running uh, the next morning uh, with nary a hangover symptom in sight. Yeah, uh, what? Just because you drink a lot doesn't mean you don't get hangovers, though. Does well, I would, I would assume that even at this point, he's probably still a little drunk. Yeah, he'd have to be, right? Like, if it's morning, he was up at 2. Right. And this has to be, like, what, 8, 7, 8 in the morning? Right. I mean, the kids are getting ready to go to school. Steven and Elise are going to work. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, 7 or 8 in the morning. Like, Yeah, yeah. he's got to be still drunk at the time. Right. Uh, So he's, you know, Alex is like, you know, what the hell was that all about? And he pretends, like, he doesn't really know what's going on. And uh, Alex tries to tell his mom about Ned's drinking yeah, I problem. I don't know if it's pretending or just he blacked out at that point. Yeah, right, right, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, they never really clarify. Point. It's not that important. But yeah. Right, right. So Alex is trying to tell his mom about Ned's drinking problem. 
Uh, but she makes some excuses, you know. Oh, he's you know he's a fugitive or was a fugitive or. <laughs> you know how fugitives need to take the edge off, dear. Right, well, right. She did say like he always drank some in college and stuff, but could control it basically. Yeah, but uh, when he when he talks about him guzzling the vanilla extract, that seems to get her attention. Uh, yeah, because right, those so. are her. Those are her expensive Madagascar vanilla bourbon beans, <laughs> goddammit. She's like, that's so my expensive. booze. She's like, she's like, wait, that son of a bitch drank my vanilla extract? <laughs> I just got done. Yeah. <laughs> just got done carrying you, bastard. How dare you? That's um, her secret to getting buzzed midday. She took vanilla extract. Took it away from me. Uh, Mallory and Jennifer uh, come downstairs and give Ned a pair of Chekhov's socks ahead of his big interview. Um, (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) When did they get these socks? I am not entirely unconvinced that they didn't just fish them out of their dad's socks (laughs) and then wrap them up. Here's the present. Is from my dad's feet. Here you yeah. go. Because they, because they are wrapped when they present them to Ned, but then he opens up the package and like there, there's no like <laughs> packing material. There's like that little plastic deal that holds two socks together <laughs> that you have to like pull apart before you can wear them. Like the tag that has the barcode on it for when you buy the pair of socks. None of that is there. It's just two loose socks and wrapping paper. <laughs> and we should point out that... The interview wasn't uh, confirmed or even really known about until the day he arrived, and that was yesterday. Right. Technically, the girls had gone to bed by the time Steve and Elise broached the subject of the interview. So they would have had to have learned about it at some point that morning. (laughs) And then they took them out of their dad's sock drawer, is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's harsh. Harsh on Michael Gross. Wow. And he's too, you know, he's he's got to leave for work early. He's not paying any attention to the fact that, like, his favorite pair of socks just got regifted <laughs> right out of his, his, his drunk brother in law. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a good stock steward at all. Uh, there's also a, a legitimately funny bit where uh, when Alex is telling his mom about. Ned's drinking and she's like, Alex, you're being dramatic. And then he reacts dramatically to being dramatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know a lot about family ties, but I feel like that's pretty in keeping with Alex's character. That's good. I liked a bit when Alex is talking to Tom Hanks about like, you really bothered me last night by being mean. And he's like, oh, I remember being a teenager. Just try not to masturbate a lot. Think about yeah, Buddy Hackett. Exactly. <laughs> that's almost literally what he says. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Masturbating. <laughs> Maybe Michael J. Fox wants to masturbate to Buddy Hackett. He had a pretty successful career. I don't know. Right? Yeah. It's a different episode. All, they, also do, they also do one of those uh, sitcom things where Alex sits down at the breakfast table with, like, this big bowl of oatmeal off of a, <laughs> off of a pot on the stove. And then his dad's like, Okay, I'm leaving early. I'll I'll take the girls to school. You want me to drop you off, Alex? He's like, Oh no, my friend Pete's coming to pick me up any minute now. And I'm like, Well, that's that's convenient considering you just sat down with a giant bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wasted food on sitcoms, you know. This is what I'm right? saying. It drives me nuts. 
Oh, yeah. You don't want to watch them not eat the food. It bothers me. It also bothers me on TV and movies. They turn on a faucet and leave it on forever. I hate that. <laughs> you made right. water. They also like to pour a drink and never drink from it and then hate leave it. the room. And like hate that. Constantly. Or <laughs> order drink? a drink at a restaurant and then just leave. Like, they always pay too, but they leave and never drink it. <laughs> I've seen them pay and not get the drink and leave. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. The right. Heck? Yeah, right. You saddle up to the bar and you're like, I'll have a beer because, of course, we're not paying a sponsorship, so we can say a beer like one does at a bar. You just say, I'll take a beer. Oh, one beer, please. You're like, I'll have a beer, please. And then they like throw a couple of bucks at the counter and then the other character in the scene enters the room. And so then they walk off with that character and you're like, wait, what about your beer? (laughs) That's a waste of money. Speaking so, of beer. Yeah, Tom Hanks <laughs> is drinking vodka with his orange juice. Is that yeah, so everybody else, yeah. everybody else leaves, and it's just Elise, and then Ned comes downstairs, and he sits down to have some breakfast, and he discovers a, like, half-empty bottle, like, air, airplane bottle of vodka in his suit coat, so he pours <laughs> that into his orange juice, and this, plus the whole vanilla extract thing, prompts his sister to ask him about it and be like i think you might have a problem and he says hey i'm i'm good i can stop anytime and she says okay then stop so he gets up and he dumps his screwdriver into the sink and says he's done drinking she should have drank it that's a waste of good screwdriver (laughs) power moves fuck you tom hanks (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i don't know and most alcoholics also tried to hide like a lot of their drinking, and he seems very open about every time he's having a drink. Well, True. this is that's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know enough about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I, I think the same thing that you said, David, that usually they seem more hidden. It usually seems more like hidden. But then I'm like, is does that happen when they are, like, quote-unquote out as an alcoholic, and so then yeah. they feel like they need to hide it more? Whereas at this point... Ned is just like, I just like to drink a lot. But then I'm like, that may not be the case. It could very well be that even non-admitted alcoholics still subconsciously try. I just don't, I don't know what I don't know, basically. You as feel far like as the presentation. The, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, there's like different kinds and different stages and you can do it however you want. But this guy, no shame. He wants to share a cup of maraschino cherries with you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, those don't have alcohol, but I guess they do have, like, a tiny bit. Yeah. Tiny. I don't think you're going to get drunk. I don't think it's going to help you one way or the other. Though. Well, really especially if you're, drunk. like, an alcoholic on the level that Tom Hanks is clearly at. Yeah. Where, like, when you're drinking that much, it just takes more and more to even get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. That you'd think that wouldn't do a whole Anyway. Uh, we Next scene, we go to, to the interview. Yeah. It goes about as well as you would expect. Uh, <laughs> Ned is clearly drunk. Uh, at one point, he tries to. He gets asked about his his past job where he was embezzling money, and he pulls out Jennifer's clarinet, which I guess was a, a Chekhov's clarinet as well. <laughs> um, improbably, it turned out to be a Chekhov's clarinet. Yeah, someone improbably is like, I think I can answer your question musically, and then starts playing the clarinet, <laughs> which. Um, doesn't it yeah. seem like a different like drug than alcohol right there? Yeah. 
He's a yeah, goofy drunk at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's more, like, high or something. <laughs> yeah, or, like, acid or DMT or something yeah. that's, like, changing the rules of society. Yeah. I'm, like, it's at this point that I'm wondering if he's drunk or if he's just, like, the quintessential zany sitcom character. <laughs> that's true. There's a very thin line between drunk Tom Hanks here and, like, Zach in an A.C. Slater wig yeah. pretending to be Slater <laughs> in front of a congressman. Uh, I, I do feel like TV, especially when they try to like de- depict drunks, really get it wrong. Even though I have a feeling most of the writers have been drunk in their life, but it's always like <laughs> they're goofy and over the top, and like they'll hallucinate or whatever. You're like, no, usually you're just very uncoordinated, maybe a little sleepy or hyper, but like nice, yeah, not too hyper, not for too long. Like, yeah, it's it just or like you. yeah, you're talkative or so. You know, you're kind of like. Not necessarily self-aware, but I feel like if you're going into an interview and you knew you had some, it'd it'd ring more true if he was, like, trying to hide it but not doing a good job of it instead of just being, like, wacky. Like, if he was, like, kind of tripping over his feet or, like, slurring a little but then, like, almost overcompensating for those things, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he didn't slur much, which is, like, an easy one. And, yeah, yeah. to your point, David, I think most uh, sitcom writers have been drunk while writing sitcoms. Right? <laughs> I, think, I think they could get it. And it's like, I've there's a few times in my life I've been drunker than I should be and suddenly realized I had to act sober for a few minutes. And I feel like I could replicate that in writing at some point. Right. How did it go? Was it zany, David? No, it was not zany. It was did it like... go a little something like this? <laughs> <laughs> To answer your question, musically. <laughs> there may have been a few podcasts where I was trying to act more sober than I was. Let's do that. Let's do drunk sober next recording. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the the sock bit gets paid off here as well uh, through a series of wacky shenanigans. So wacky. Uh, the, the guy who's interviewing him ends up like on the floor underneath his desk. And he realizes that Tom Hanks isn't wearing any socks. And he's like, excuse me, sir, where are your socks? And then Tom Hanks is like, oh, I've got them right here. And he pulls them out of his coat pocket. Like... <laughs> the way this is played is like it's so wacky zany. There's laugh tracks with everything Tom Hanks is doing up until this. And then it's like so sad. It's like he's got his dick out and there's like a <laughs> hole in it. And it's like weeping is how it's played for sadness. Yeah, the audience, the laugh track is is eating this whole this whole bit up, which it just adds to that air of like, is this like a drunk person self destructing or is this just wacky sitcom hijinks? Mm. Right. He's not even half as wacky as Mork from Ork, but we know the drug he was on. Was <laughs> cocaine. He was cocaine. Yeah. Space cocaine. Space cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next scene, Stephen comes home. Uh, he is clearly angry at having put his neck out for his brother-in-law, who drunkenly blew off the interview. He tells Elise that uh, Ned was drunk, and that it may be time that he calls Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Ned stumbles through the door with a bottle of champagne, looking to celebrate his new job. He, of course, orders his beer bitch to get some glasses for them <laughs> to drink the champagne. So, do we think he really thought he got the job at that point? Because then he started acting yeah. like he knew he never was going to. So yeah, I, I, I feel like he's just playing it up at this point. 
He just wants to drink, and that I get. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Been there, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like this episode for me. If I if I was just like editing this episode, it probably would have been like Tom Hanks shows up and he's like drinking a lot, like at nights or with the family or whatever. And maybe you kind of prolong it, have it a few nights where they're just like he really seems to hit it hard, and then but then like he does the interview and isn't drunk because it's, it's almost over the top that he couldn't even stay sober for like two hours before an interview to do it. Right. But right. instead just simply didn't get the job maybe because the guy couldn't get over his <laughs> embezzling $4.5 million <laughs> or whatnot. And so, and then him not getting the job turns him into the mean drunk, you know, because now right. he's like drinking out of depression instead of just like being the happy, fun drunk. But, uh, yeah, because I mean, basically, the 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 arc of this scene is uh, is you know, uh, Elise says, "Yo, I thought you weren't going to drink." He's like, "I didn't drink. I just had a few beers." And mm-hmm. he tries to make excuses, and then Alex gets mad that he blew up this chance that his dad had made for him, and then that's when Ned talks about how you know it didn't matter because he wasn't going to get that job anyway. And to your point, David, it would probably be more effective if he had like legitimately tried to get the job, yeah. stayed sober and then not gotten it. And now was wasted and was like, it doesn't matter. I'm a useless waste. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cause he's basically says, yeah, it doesn't matter that uh, I didn't get the job because you Keaton's will always be better people than me. And I, I washed up before the age of 30. Uh, and Elise is like, no, you're not washed up. You're just an alcoholic and you need to call someone. And, uh, Ned's like, I don't care about any of this. And so then, um, Alex, clearly the coolest kid at the school, shows him the newspaper clippings he carries around in his <laughs> wallet, uh, highlighting Ned's former successes, like the aforementioned time that he gave a speech before the World Bank and the fact that he was made this like regional VP at the age of 28 or something like that. Um, and Ned, this gets Ned all pissed off and he crumples up the clippings and he very poorly tries to throw them in the fire in the fireplace. No. Um, thankfully he misses though. Alex gets mad and tries to stop him. And then Ned just hauls out and cold. Cocks. <laughs> he just lays About out. Time. He just lays oh, Alex man. the fuck out. Like it, it he really hits stinks. him and he sends him like six feet in the air <laughs> and Alex lands on his back on the floor. It really seems like Michael J. Fox, especially at like sixteen or whatever, would be you could really make him go far with one good punch. <laughs> Real satisfying. Um, yeah, so we've gotten to the point now where he's striking a minor and um Steven well, a Republican. <laughs> I have cap. Yep. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That was that was that God given right to hit Alex if he so choose. <laughs> tell them that that he can't do that. Uh, Stephen though tells him that he either needs to get help or get out. And I feel like if some dude just hit my kid, I'd be more on the get out and get help than the either or scenario here. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> 
Well, what if your kid was a Republican, Austin? Yeah, that's true. Cause, well, because the whole central, you know, conceit of this show is that Steve and Elise are like, you know, hippies in the '80s with this mm-hmm. Reaganite high schooler. So maybe they're like, you know, smarmy little bastard got what he deserves. <laughs> I mean, you can't save him from every hit. You know, like, send all your emails to Austin Gordon. <laughs> I'm not saying he got what he deserved. I'm saying they <laughs> might be feeling like he got this, what he deserved. This does have a... This is season two, right? Yeah. 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 It does really feel like a. Uh, they're already just making sure Alex is central to every plot. Because like, this is oh, a plot yeah. that really didn't need him, but now... He's there. It's his favorite uncle. He's the one who sees him drunk at night. He's getting beat up by the uncle. He's the one who sees it first, you know? True. There's nothing about this plot line that required Alex to be there or required it to be Alex and not Mallory or Jennifer. Like, it could have been one of their favorite uncles. Yeah, or they could have just shared it all. Like, each of them kind of have their own experience with it. The only thing that requires it to be Alex is that it's Michael J. Fox and that he's Mm -hmm. the, you know, breakout character at this point. He had so much star power. He really is He really does. You can see why this... I mean... Yeah. Him and Tom um, Hanks on the same screen together. Oh my it, god! Right? Like this shit's on fire. <laughs> and uh, it's a little tiny screen. It's an old yeah. tiny TV screen. But they're, and they're both, both tiny there at getting... the time too. You know, well, Michael J. Fox is kind of tiny. Tinier, yeah, the tiniest. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to be getting drunk with both of those men in 1989 right now? <laughs> yes. I think all sure of us. I would... totally understood what you're saying, but. Yeah, yeah, like if you just got to press a button and abandon your whole life, this whole podcast and everything else, your marriages, your children, and just go back and just get loaded with Tom Hanks and Michael J. Fox, who is not pressing that button right now. Then you live out the rest of your life from 1989. With yeah. full knowledge of the future? Um, it might be a little muddled because you get really drunk, Austin. True, true. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, a little time waves, but some good nudges for a threesome with tom hanks and michael j fox what wouldn't i do i know uh, (laughs) it gets a little bit awkward when like steve and elise are giving ned sort of the 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 ultimatum and all of that because he's like sits down on the couch next to alex it is like Mm -hmm. putting his hand on (gasps) alex he's like you know like oh my god i hit my nephew i can't believe it but if i was alex i'd be like whoa get the fuck away from me Right. If I was Alex's mom or dad, I'd be like, maybe get that kid some ice or something. Like he's just like <laughs> right. laying on the couch with his hands over his face as they're like yelling at Ned. And Here's... Well, I guess if we, yeah. Well, I mean, if we back up, I I, I kind of blame this on <laughs> Steve and Elise because like he, Steve shows up and then he just immediately bitches to Elise about how he's uh, Ned was drunk at the interview, and I'm like, maybe you want to talk about this in private without like Alex right there just hearing everything. Well, right, because at that point, Alex, he gets his cocky little, like, see, Mom, I told you, moment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, like this feels like an adult issue that maybe you just need to talk it over with, like, what the steps are. Well, David, the adults aren't the star of this show at this point, so (laughs) pipe down. He's an adult now because he has a little brown corduroy blazer and tie. You can't wear it brown if you're not an adult. (laughs) Um, To Austin's point as well, like I am flabbergasted by the way Tom Hanks turns on the charm here when he sits next to baby Alex Keaton because the way he grabs his nephew's thigh, all right, I touched my husband when I watched this scene to like feel how it felt. (laughs) 
I'm like, if I was going to touch a husband or a nephew's thigh or knee, it would be like knee. I would not go any higher on the thigh. But where he grabs him is like mid-upper thigh. That's like so close to just sliding up the cupping the whole business pouch. It was right. a and scandal. Like just after he sent him flying across yeah. the room. Like, flying. I'm going to pop you one, then I'm going to see where it landed. Yeah. It's crazy. It, 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 it just, I got, it had this vibe where like, Michael J. Fox, the actor, didn't, <laughs> didn't know how to like physically be in the scene at that point. Like, yeah, yeah. like blocking wise, it felt like he probably should have like gotten up and left or been standing, and he just like mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. Well, he was like hunched over on the couch and like kind of in a fetal position, and then like, yeah. he was like a five year old child like whimpering. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I feel like he yeah. would have acted differently, but whatever. I also feel like he would have gotten mad. Like, yeah. Like when I was fourteen or fifteen, if if you know somebody threw me across the room like that, I mean I'd get up and be like shocked and angry, and yeah. he just kind of like crawls up onto the couch and then puts his hands in his face the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, anyway, but you're just thinking about an average person hitting you, not Tom Hanks. American Sweetheart just decked me. Watch the face, please. Uh, So, yeah, Steven says, you know, get help or get out. And Ned finally walks over to the phone. And Elise had looked up the number for AA. So he gives them a call. And, of course, he has to crack a few more jokes along the way, which the laugh track just, you know, eats up. With a yeah. big fat spoon. Yeah, I forget, I, what, what was his yeah. joke? He's like, "Are you interested in a catalog or something stupid?" Yeah, like, like that's a funny in a joke. Description to such and such, and <laughs> at one point he says, "Like I expected then to hear dial tone and being like, well, there goes this chance today." <laughs> yeah. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at one point he says you know oh, i guess i should look at this as an opportunity to meet women who share interests with me alcoholism is hilarious you're not supposed to date your fellow alcoholics ps whatever but right you're not right not from the club it, it, it's it all comes across very much like this is an episode that wanted to tackle a serious subject but that the average sitcom still isn't sure how to do that and be its normal thing at the same time. So it tries tries to do both. Like I, I, you know, I wasn't on the episode where we talked about the, the, uh, the, the one act play Alex dealing with his friend's death episode, but that's the one with Chandler, right? That one, that was a growing pains episode. (laughs) Oh, hell same difference. Are you um, sure Michael J. Fox was an in Okay, <laughs> I, I swore, like Michael J. Fox, like made the photo. Fo- oh, that was that was what's his tits? The the religious guy. Uh, Kirk Cameron. Yes, thank yeah. you. It was yeah. Kirk Cameron, and he was also like really centered in the role as an adult. Like, oh, it's yeah. my scene, bitches. I'm making yeah, the yeah. call here. Right, right. In a story, he had no need to be in at all. He yeah, had to right. My my only point being, by the time that episode comes along, it seems like the series was much more comfortable breaking the mold, so to speak, to do something different and tell its lesson. Whereas here it's like, well, we still have to have jokes every 30 to 45 seconds or mm-hmm. people won't know that we're a sitcom. So anyway, he hey. admit, he tells the person on the phone that he has a problem with alcohol and that's the end of the episode. And they do appreciate like the clown all the way down ethos of Tom Hanks, like still cutting a rug, although it might like split the effectiveness of the specialness of the episode. It's like, well, whatever, this guy you know, gets drunk and he gets 
funny. Or yeah, he and, has and David, fun. to your point, I don't I don't know how accurate that is in terms of alcoholics, Depends but it's at least alcoholics. consistent with Ned's character as it's presented. Yeah. Sure. So that's that's something. They could go the uh, they could have gone the friends route and then had like mm-hmm. Ned show up in another episode, but be sober and completely boring and uncharming and just lame. <laughs> That would be great. Which friends guy was that? <laughs> oh, like somebody Monica dated. Like nice. he was the fun guy until he got sober, and then yeah, Monica fun. had to start drinking just to make him entertaining. Oh. Fun, yeah, fun Bobby became like yeah. not so fun Bobby or something like that. Yeah, I also question whether this is where I'm like I don't know enough about how alcoholism works and how like the whole process of AA and all of that, but like. When Steven's like, Steven is all like, you're an alcoholic and you have a disease. And I'm like, are you qualified to make that diagnosis? <laughs> like, well, you're qualified was... to say you clearly have a problem with alcohol, but I don't know. I mean, he's probably not qualified. I was just appreciative. I'm, it, but it does sound like something someone would say even when they're not qualified. But uh, <laughs> I was appreciative of a show even in the 80s calling it more of a disease than anything else. But That's true. Yeah, which is, that's, it, you know, a sentiment like. That, Right, nut up and you know, yeah, get some it, discipline. You know, it's a nut disease, that character up. flaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. I also, I was also struck when uh, when Alex was showing his clippings of you know uh, Ned's previous successes, the Enron days. Yeah, yeah, and how he was like, you know, oh, you were a regional vice president at this age or whatever. I was like, the, it was just like very baby boomer dreams. Right. And just like, I mean, even putting aside, you know, the collapse of the economy and whatnot, but just the notion of like becoming a vice president at a certain age meant something then in a way that like even in the 90s, it was like that titles became meaningless. Like you'd have like Internet startups with like a dozen vice presidents or whatever. (laughs) It was just very much like of that moment in the early 80s when there was a very like clearly defined agreed upon set of criteria for what success meant and we no longer really have that and we didn't have you know, it went away not too long after this episode aired but at this point in Good time that riddance. Was i also still... liked the consistency with alex's character of loving this man for his successes despite this man also committing <laughs> incredible <laughs> felonies. Million dollars worth of embezzlement. <laughs> which really fits with the kind of guy who loves Nixon and Reagan, you know? Right. Right. He's right. got a type. Yeah. <laughs> I did like when the resolution, it's, it felt pretty abrupt. Like, Tom Hanks finally quits clown and he's like, no, really, you're a PSM alcoholic. And he's like, on the phone, it's like 1 800 alcoholics, and they're like, Okay, we'll fix it, presumably. Like, there's no there's no number that's just going to fix that for you. They might give you a meeting tops, but yeah, it's not I mean, like just calling the phone line is going to dial you into shit, buddy. Yeah, you'd assume they'd have to say, like, well, we, we suggest you come in for a meeting. Or maybe, like, there's a sponsor who then talks with them for a little bit about what's going on. But, I mean, the problem with addiction episodes is... There's never a clean resolution to addiction. You know how people yeah. will say they're, you know, they're always... An addict, it's just whether they're, you know, relapsed or not, kind of. And, right. You know, yeah, whether you give there. in to the addiction or not. Yeah, and so you can't just, like, have a clean ending at the end. It's always just, like, especially with a character who just figured out they're addicted to something. Well, now you're in for, you know, months, years, your lifetime of struggle. And 
There's no time in TV for that kind of nonsense. So, you know, if one phone call, you're going to be cured. I'm sure everything will be fine for him. <laughs> well, that's yeah. where, you know, there's a part of me that starts wondering. Yeah, this isn't necessarily on the episode either, but there's a part of me that's just like, it's like, what happens immediately after he hangs up that phone? Like, yeah. let's say, you know, they're like, you know, okay, you know, that's great. Admitting you have a problem is the first step. You know, here's our address. Come to a meeting. Our next meeting is, I don't know, tomorrow at noon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, come to a meeting. We'll get you set up with a sponsor, blah, 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 blah. So, like, that, fine, great. He hangs up that phone. Like, is he staying in their house at this point <laughs> still? Like, was that enough? Is he going to drink that night? Are they going to have to, is someone going to have to, like, sit with him the whole night to make sure he doesn't have anything to drink? He doesn't live with them. He lives, he's out of town. Are they going to send him home? How confident, you know, that's, I'm just legitimately curious. Like, how does, how does it work after the sort of, cinematic declaration of I have a problem. Like what's step one after that is what you just never see in these kinds of episodes. Mm -hmm. Right. And you wonder what, uh, if they ever mention him again in any of the shows going forward or if he's just a person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't, he does not return in any other. Yes. Yes. This is Tom Hanks final episode. But you do wonder that they could easily allude to it at some point. (laughs) They get a call from Kurt Cameron, and he's like, Tom Hanks is dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he died on his way back to his home planning. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we've, we've danced around it a bit, but I guess any, mm-hmm. any final thoughts on the, the effectiveness of the episode as a, as a very special episode? My only, I've said this about other stuff we've watched before, the only thing is, like, this one's so over the top that if you're trying to use it as a learning experience, you're probably not going to find someone who's this obviously an alcoholic, and so (laughs) I don't know how useful it is in, like, Mm -hmm. determining what warning signs are, because guess what, if you're drinking vanilla extract after an entire bottle of, like, bourbon... Yeah, you probably should know that you're an alcoholic and or that person is an alcoholic. But Yeah. I did appreciate both that they they took advantage of the fact that this was a pre-existing character, however minor, yeah. um, to tackle the issue with, and that like the whole episode was about this. Like This wasn't something that got tacked on in like the third act and then they had to rush all of the the arc of he has a problem no he doesn't yes he does oh you're right he does okay call someone all into the third act that they were able to kind of spread that out nearly from the beginning like there were no other subplots there wasn't any like wacky sibling antics or anything like that like they clearly set out to use this episode to tell that story and committed to it which obviously 22 minutes isn't enough, but it's better than 10 minutes, I guess. Right, yeah, they really made the cello plot not take up too much space. Clarinet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that was just there to set up the gag with the, with the music. And the... I did want to hear that flute song about embezzlement. Maybe he rocks a clarinet. Maybe he would have just like mesmerized everyone with it. It would have been like the scene in Big with the keyboard. Exactly. Yeah, I thought with the comedy and tragedy in this, they had a weird job splitting the difference and I ended up being on the laugh track side, right? They felt like the arbiters of truth. And is he really an alcoholic if he's entertaining? I guess so. <laughs> I guess he's very much an alcoholic. 
But it, again, was funny for them to like pin the like, Sir, you're sockless. <laughs> <laughs> your pants are down and your anus is hanging out. Levels of shame, shame, Outrage. shame. Yeah, because you know I like a sockless loafer. I like a Birkenstock. I like to skirt the sock issue as much as possible. Unless it's the wintertime. And then, you know, I've been doing like a big wool slipper booty. So I'm still bypassing socks as much as possible. So if that makes me a derelict to society, here we are. Just some entertaining. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, David, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm certainly never tweeting while drunk. <laughs> that's for sure. What's <laughs> <laughs> happened. Probably my last 15 tweets have been while drunk. Well, more than... <laughs> The last time, the last like, yeah, it does. I can't explain it. <laughs> make sure to, it. yeah, exactly. Make Wait sure to follow to David for St. Patrick's Day, people. Yeah. It is a hoot. I'm so glad the quarantine didn't slow you down much at all, David. Uh, you, you can drink in many. You don't have to go to the bars to drink. If Tom Hanks has taught us anything, that's just <laughs> galaxy brain. <laughs> uh, Twitter at Doctor Bits. That's Doctor spelled out, and I'm like a silent partner of the real gentleman in, of legend. <laughs> He provides moral support. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carolyn, how about you? Yo, yo, yo. Uh, you can find me wheezing the juice and vanilla <laughs> extract in your mom's pantry in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm also online. I'm at Carolyn Main, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I, unlike the street. I have a Patreon. That is where I send out lovely postcards and stickers. You can pay me a dollar or whatever. You don't have to. You can follow me for free. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Tumblr, and check it out, people. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Austin Gorton. Uh, you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. Uh, we also have a Patreon associated with that, uh, patreon.com slash G-O-L. Uh, if you want to give us some money to read some extra comic book stuff, you can do that. As for the show, we are a very special episode. Follow us on Twitter at AVSEPod. You can check out our Facebook page. Uh, email us at AVSEPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we should probably dive into the mailbag one of these. One of these oh, days. yeah. Um, Let's do a bag clear. We'll, we'll do a bag clear here soon. So shoot us an email. Let us know if there's a particular episode or series you'd like us to cover as we as we go forward. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, we are available to uh, listen and download via iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify, all of your, bang, bang, bang. All of your favorite podcast apps. So for a very special episode, I am Austin Gorton, and I am off to raid my dad's drawer for Chekhov's socks. That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by, or was it slow? Got so many life lessons, oh how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode next time on a very special episode. What are you drinking there, David? Yeah, this is the Castle Danger Choice Pills. Yeah. Is it choice? I feel like it's well, it's like a microbrew trying to be like a Miller Lite, and it did too good a job of it. So. Whoa.
<laughs> so I'm like, you're like, eh. I could have saved three bucks and just had a Miller Lite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody wins. I'm doing the box wine. Do you know about uh, this? Well, wine that comes in a box. Yes, yes, I am familiar with this product. <laughs> There's like a new medium fancy tier, but it is like three bottles in one box. But then you get stuck with like this swim bladder of wine at the end. Yes, yes, it's fantastic. It's terrible. I, I have a, I have a nice, refreshing glass of scotch that I'm enjoying. Ooh, oh, very man, daddy. Trying to be fancy. 